Heavenly Father, we find ourselves in a familiar place on a day that is familiar with scriptures that are familiar. And Lord, we thank Thee that the reason we can gather was that there was a day long ago when our Savior allowed Himself to be the supreme sacrifice. That there was a day when our Savior offered Himself in our place. He took on our sins that we might live. How thankful we are, Lord, that this day that we remember today was only part of the story. The fulfillment of which was also going to, or the culmination of which, would be on Sunday. When our Savior, who was our sacrifice, became our risen Lord. So, Father, as we look into these very familiar scriptures, Lord, take us, through the power of thy Spirit, down this path once again. Though it is familiar, Lord, we know that there are new things that thy Spirit can bring about in each one of our hearts, a greater awareness, a greater understanding, or perhaps a deeper emotion. So, Lord, we invite thee to be with us, not as our guest, but as the author of this message this evening. We pray, Lord, that thy spirit might be the one that tells the story to each one of us. Lord, be with those that can't be with us. We're mindful of Brother Hans, who's battling a sore throat and some ailments, Lord. Thankful he's doing better, but be with he and Sister Pat as they're not able to be with us. Be with others, Lord, that are not able to come. We're mindful of Sister Hilda and Aunt Laney, and others, Lord. Visit them as well on this evening and help them also to feel part of the experience that we will share with thee in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Dear ones, as I was looking this afternoon on very, very familiar scriptures, the Lord has led me to John chapter 18. Begin reading with verse 28, and I'll read into chapter 19. And then I will continue also in Matthew chapter 27. But we'll begin with John 18, beginning with verse 28. I'll give you a moment to find it. Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment. And it was early, and they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? And they answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor or a criminal, we would not have have delivered him unto thee. Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put put any man to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again, and he called Jesus, and he said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it of of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? 
Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered unto the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I could bear witness unto the truth, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? And they cry, then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests therefore and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him, and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. And he went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew tongue, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. 
concluding with verse 16. And now, if you could turn with me to Matthew 27, and we'll begin reading with verse 32. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear the cross. And when they were gone unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there, and set up over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand, the other on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself, if thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests, mocking him with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the King of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, he, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be. Let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watched Jesus, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. And many women were beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him, among which was Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joses, and the mother of Zebedee's children. And when even was come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was a disciple, was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. 
And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. Now the next day, that followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that the deceiver said while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead, so the last heir shall be worse than the first." Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch. Go your way. Make it as sure as ye can. So they went, and they made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. I'd like to conclude with verse uh, 66. Dear one, such a familiar scripture that what's, what's interesting, what, what makes things somewhat easier at times is the technology that we have. And so I, on my iPad, I was able to look at the four Gospels, the harmony of the Gospels, basically topic by topic, and see which Gospel writer was writing about what at which time. And the stories, even as they account, recount them, are so similar We've heard them so many times. And as I was reading through them, I was asking the Lord, you know, what, what is there to say that's different? What new thing can I bring forth? And the answer was nothing. But that we need to take a journey again and walk through what the Master went through so that we can understand why he did it. We can read in, later on in, in Paul's letters where he said, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And I want to kind of use that perhaps as a backdrop as we walk through what Jesus went through and why he went through it. So I'm going to go back to John, and we'll just kind of walk through some groupings of, of scriptures here. So I had picked up on, on verse 28 in John chapter 18, when Jesus was being led away from Caiaphas and was taken to Pilate. And I, I find it so interesting how the Jewish leaders work to manipulate truth to serve their end. And at one point, we actually get a revelation of what was in their heart. So I'll, I'll, when, I, when I get back to, to, get to that point, I'll, I'll share it with you. But we start with, they, take, they basically take Jesus to Pilate, and they want Pilate to do their dirty work. They want Pilate to be the one that's going to deal with the fact that Jesus is supposed to be killed, because they can't do it. It's not lawful for them to do it. And I love how here they, don't even, they aren't even able to go into the judgment hall because it would make them unclean as they're having a, making a preparation for the, for the Passover. Completely missing the point on what is happening. 
And, we, and so the first character that, that I'd like to have us talk about is Pilate. Pilate was a skilled politician. He was the one governor that was able to keep peace in Palestine. And he ruled it quite well, giving enough freedom, enough flexibility, but yet keeping Rome happy that chaos wasn't going to break loose. And I believe that Pilate was a just man. I believe that Pilate was an honest man because he knew that an innocent man was brought before him and he tried time and time again to find a way to free Jesus. He didn't want Jesus put to death. There's this one verse, uh, so we, we have this dialogue back and forth with, with, with Pilate and Jesus. And at one point, I, and, I, and I love in verse, verse 36, and Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. But my kingdom isn't from hence. That, dear ones, is recorded for our benefit, not Pilate's. Yes, he was telling Pilate, Pilate, you don't need to worry about me. I'm not a king that's going to overthrow Rome. My kingdom is somewhere else, but I am a king. That's something, dear ones, that we need to remember today. Our Savior's kingdom is not of this world. It's of a different world, a different realm that coexists with the kingdoms of this earth. Simultaneously reigning in two different places. We have earthly kingdoms orchestrated by God, set up by God, but the spiritual kingdom, the eternal kingdom, has already begun. Eternal life for us, my brother and my sister, has already begun. And we need to remember that. And when we get very discouraged by what we see happening, and when we, when we battle ailments of the flesh, or we see loved ones battling ailments of the flesh, we need to remember that this, this is not the kingdom that we really are part of. We're here as ambassadors. But at any time, our king will call us home. And our service of ambassadors will be done. And all things will be made right for us. I love how Jesus told Pilate, the reason that I'm here is to go through this. Pilate, don't worry. You're not to blame. Well, he didn't say it that way. He said, those that delivered me to you have a greater sin. And I wonder what Pilate thought about that. Jesus didn't say, Pilate, it's okay. You're innocent. But he said, the greater sin was those that delivered you to me. Pilate thought on that. I love Pilate's comment when he turns to Jesus and he says in verse 38, what is truth? I think Pilate was searching for truth. He wanted to make truth, he wanted to make sense of what was going on. Think about the situation Pilate was in. He is the ruler, the governor of this region. And for three years, he has been hearing 
about this teacher, this worker of miracles, this prophet. Pilate knows that Jesus raised the dead. And he's trying to get a hold on what's going on. And those that should have understood who Jesus was, those that should have welcomed him, didn't. Pilate's confused. Dear ones, isn't that similar to the the vast majority of the people in the world today? They're confused. Has there ever been a time in history, other than when Pilate said this, when we could also say, what is truth? When mankind is saying, what is truth? This, this, um, and I'm not going to, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get it right, but this, this um, uh, new software, this artificial intelligence chat, GBT, something like that. I was on, I was on a call. Well, actually, let me back up a minute. Um, Tim shared something with us that Brother Joe Greniger did, where he simply did a search. Tim, what was the topic? Do you remember? Fasting. He did a he asked this this software, this virtual what well, not virtual what's it called? AI, artificial intelligence. Thank you. To come up with a sermon about fasting. And it searched all the information that was available and came up with like a six or seven minute message written out that when Tim read it, you would have thought it could have been any one of our brothers putting together a teaching on that topic. Last night I was on a call with some friends of mine in, that, that do the same thing that I do for a living and we meet every other Thursday night for an hour to kind of help each other and encourage each other and critique each other's work. And the one guy decided that he wanted to come up with an introduction for one of the people on the call and in a matter of minutes, seconds probably, had this introduction that was created by AI, artificial intelligence, that searched all the databases and comes up with. Now, the question is, what's truth? When, when, when the brightest minds of our day, like Elon Musk, are saying, we need to stop this now, we need to put a pause on the development of this now, because I'm not sure we can control this now. What is truth? We're going to watch newscasts someday and wonder, well, right now we could, we could watch a quote-unquote news broadcast and wonder, is it true? And we know in most cases it's not. But there will come a day when we will see something that will look extremely real. And it won't be. And like Pilate, we're going to have to say what is truth. The good news, brothers and sisters and friends, is this is truth. This scripture is truth. And the Holy Spirit that lives within us will give us discernment to know what truth is. Because truth is not a what, it's a who. And that who is Jesus Christ who reigns. Pilate had truth sitting in front of him, and he missed it. So then Pilate gets to a point where there's nothing else he can do, and he, and he realizes it, and he turns Jesus over to the Jews. But there was something he asked them. He said, what shall I do with your king? 
So, and they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, shall I crucify your king? And they revealed their hearts. They said, we have no king but Caesar. They weren't followers of Jehovah. They were disappointed that they didn't have a conqueror that could overthrow Rome. So in this moment, they revealed to Pilate that their king was Caesar. So be it. So then I, I switched, uh, you'll, you'll recall I switched to Matthew. And why Matthew? So if I think about Matthew, the book of Matthew and I think about the, the Gospel of John, written two different times. Matthew's was written much earlier. John's written much later, getting toward the end of the first century. John's whole purpose for writing his gospel was to, to clarify who Jesus was and is. He wanted to set the record straight so that the Jews couldn't create a narrative that would sound like truth. Matthew, extremely detail-focused, gave us amazing details about what was taking place. And that's why I picked up in in Matthew 27, beginning with verse 32. And we see that that, that Jesus was, was beaten so badly, he couldn't bear his own cross, and so they compelled a man to, to carry the cross for him. And what's interesting is Luke tells us, Luke or Mark, I forgot which one, it might have been Mark, because it was last Sunday's Bible class, basically identified the man and identified his sons, one of whom was named Rufus. And there is a Rufus in the early church. And I've often wondered, I bet that's the same Rufus. Why else would they have called him out like that? So he can't even bring his own, he can't bear his own cross. So we know that they take him to Golgotha where he's going to be crucified. And then this is an interesting one. They gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. But when he tasted it, he wouldn't drink. What they were giving him was a type of poison, type of sedative, something that would numb his senses, numb the suffering, numb the pain, and maybe even shorten his life. And when Jesus tasted what it was, he didn't want it. Why? Why not make this an easier transition? Why not get this over with quicker? Because that's not why he came. He didn't come to have an easy road. He didn't come to have an easy passing from this life back to his father. He came to pay a price for my sins. And your sins and the sins of the entire world. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and me. That's what the songwriters wrote and the choir used to sing. So they crucified him and they parted his garments, casting lots. Why? Because Isaiah had said they would. Scripture was fulfilled. Even in death, they were casting lots for his garment. 
And then verse 36, I have, I have underlined in, in red, and I have an arrow pointing to it. And sitting down, they watched him there. How horrible. They sat down to watch a man die. And crucifixion was horrible. Perhaps the most cruel form of death. Because you suffocate. You can't breathe. And because you're suspended. And the only way for you to breathe is to push yourself up with your feet somehow on this post that you're nailed to and you catch a breath and sink back down and it could take hours or days to die that's why when the romans wanted to speed it up they would break the legs of those that were crucified because with broken legs you couldn't lift your torso up enough to get air and they sat and they watched doesn't this also talk about our world today how many people think they can think they're innocent they're not they're not part of it they're not taking part in what's going on but they sit on the sidelines and they watch their silence is guilt is 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 it as 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 they sit silently they think they can escape the consequences but they condemn themselves because they watch and they do nothing i think of those that know the truth and do nothing thinking that somehow if i don't perhaps reject the lord verbally I'll somehow be okay in the end. What they don't realize is that by not accepting, they are rejecting. And dear ones, when we think of these loved ones, and we all know many, we need to pray that somehow they can understand that their inaction is action. And they're siding with those that would mock and spit at and physically abuse our Savior. And then they, it, we go through all these that they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. And they even went on to say, If thou be the Son of God, come down off the cross. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking with him, the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him come now down off the cross, and we will believe him. We'll believe him if he comes off the cross now. They missed the point. He came to be on the cross. He came to suffer and die that we could live. The thieves also mocked him. And then we get to the sixth hour. Darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. For three hours, it's dark. Think about this, dear ones. What must have been going through people's minds as they saw what was happening? We, have, we know what a lot of them were thinking because the, the centurion talks about it. But it gets dark. 
And it's dark for three hours. And then I think one of the most tragic, not tragic, one of the saddest, most heartbreaking verses. Verse, verse 46, about the ninth hour, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For the one moment, the one time, ever, and when I mean ever, I mean in an everlasting, eternal sense. The father couldn't look on the son. And it might make me feel better by saying, well, because he had the sins of the world on him. If my sins would have been the only ones that he was carrying, his father still couldn't look on him. So the fact that the father had to turn away is my fault. And when Jesus died, yes, he was the son of God. Yes, he was an eternal being, the sinless lamb of God. But he was hanging there as a man, alone, for the first time. And thankfully the last time, because of me. Some of them, when they heard it, said he's crying for Elias. Straightway, they, got a, they ran and got a sponge, put some vinegar. They want to wake him up. Hey, what's going on here? We want to find out what's going to happen here. In verse 50, And Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. I love that because what that tells us, dear ones, is Jesus was not killed. Jesus was not assassinated. Jesus gave up humanity. When it was finished, when the price was paid, he decided it's done. And his earthly sorrow was going to end. And what happened then? And and. It's, it's, it's not conjecture because Matthew wrote it. It's not rumor. It's what Matthew saw. Matthew recorded things that he knew were evidential or evidence. Not, my, my words aren't coming together right. I don't think evidential is even a word. It was fact. And that's why he wrote it down. He said, the veil of the temple was torn, not from the bottom up, not that a bunch of conspirators, co-conspirators with Jesus went in to somehow shake up the Jewish faith. God tore that veil. And he said, from now on, all men and women can have access to me based on the sacrifice of the supreme lamb, the sinless lamb of God that has shed his blood he was not only the sacrifice, but he was the high priest that offered the sacrifice and the sprinkling of the blood that we might have access to the Father. 
No more was it he who has no name that we can't even utter his name because he's so holy. No more was it this place where only the high priest could go after, after having made sacrifice and the prayers of those that were without praying for. No, all of us would have the opportunity, if we would so avail ourselves of it, to go into the holiest of holies and come before our creator. Yes, he's Jehovah God, but he's my father. It's he who loved me so much that he allowed his son to come to earth and die that I might live. And we can cry, Abba, Father. The writer of Hebrews told us, come boldly to the throne of grace where we can find mercy and help in time of need. That's what the veils being rent actually meant. And the graves were opened and the dead, the saints that had gone on before to their, to their resting in the bosom of Abraham until this event. Graves were opened and they walked the streets. Imagine that. How could you keep that secret? And the centurion and those that were around him, when they saw these things happen, when they saw the way he died, not the way he was murdered, when they saw the way he died, said, surely this man was the son of God and they were filled with fear because they recognized this was not a normal crucifixion. And then we know that we, we read where, where Joseph of Arimathea desired the body, the body of Jesus. And imagine that. He was well known among the Jews. He was a man that was esteemed. And he went to Pilate and said, can I please have his body? The man deserves a proper burial. And his own tomb, which was, was brand new, that was hewn out of the rock, he, he got, and Pilate was acquiesced, gave him the body of Jesus, and he prepared him quickly because the Passover was coming for a burial, wrapped him in linen and put him in the grave. And it says, and he rolled the great stone in front of the tomb. And I find it interesting how the women sat at the stone for a while, needing to be close to Jesus there's a song that, I don't know who wrote it, but I know um, the Collingsworth family sings it. Gotta get to Jesus. He's the only hope, the only help. And these women didn't understand what was happening. Their hearts were breaking, but they were gonna sit and wait. And then I, re and then I find it interesting when the Jewish leaders come back to, to, to Pilate a day later and they say, hey, you know what? This deceiver said he was going to rise from the dead. Isn't it interesting how all of a sudden they're making sense of what he said when he said, I'm going to destroy the temple and raise it up in three days? Interesting how all of a sudden they're starting to put the pieces together. And they said, you need to give us authority to seal it. And I love what Pilate said. Make it as sure as you can. Pilate knew. This was not an average man. This man's kingdom really was from a different place. And he really was the son of God. 
So dear ones, just in closing, this can seem heartbreaking. Jesus wouldn't want us to be heartbroken. Jesus would, he wants us to understand what he went through. So he can, we can, in a measure, realize how much he loves us. Did you notice the word I used was loves, not loved? Jesus didn't love us. He still loves us. This is a very present relationship and a very present affection that Jesus has for us today and tomorrow. And until he calls us home, until our ambassadorship is rescinded, And we're called back. If Jesus would go through all of this, and if God would allow him to go through all of this, why do we question whether or not he'll see us through sometimes? Why is it that I worry? Why is it that I fear? Why is it that I question Does God see what's happening? Does God understand what's going on? Of course he does. And the proof that he will never ever leave us or forsake us is what we read this evening again. He went through that for us. He'll never leave us hanging. Because the completion of the story wasn't even Sunday morning. The completion of the story, the completion of the plan is when he comes again and he takes us home, whether whether we, we go before, as our forefathers have, as he has, or whether we're called to meet him in the air, the completion is actually a new beginning when we lay down this earthly temple and we're forever with him. The proof that he'll never leave me or forsake me is what he's already done. And I just need to hold on to that confidence. And I need to each day ask the Lord, what is it that I can do to be the light to those around me? I... I questioned whether or not I should read this, and I, 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 I apologize because I, I, I know I've been long already. But last evening I heard a poem. And I asked the man, I said, hey, could you send me a copy of that? He said, absolutely. And I think it fits. Is anybody happier because you passed his way? Does anyone remember that you spoke to them today? The day is almost over and it's toiling time is through. Is there anyone to utter now a kindly word of you? Can you say tonight in parting with the day that's slipping fast that you helped a single brother of the many that you passed? Is a single heart rejoicing over what you did or said? Does the man whose hopes were fading now with courage look ahead? Did you waste the day or lose it? Was it well or poorly spent? 
Did you leave a trail of kindness or a scar of discontent? As you close your eyes in slumber, do you think that God would say you have earned one more tomorrow by the work you did today? Dear ones, that's why we're here. We're here because there's work for us to do. The Lord has it planned out so that others can understand what he did for us so many years ago. May the Lord add his blessing to this word.